Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 341. Pressure is a privilege. Pressure is the kind of thing that it's all how you react to it. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Do you know the best way to protect your vehicle, both the exterior and interior, is with a car cover? I've been using Covercraft car covers since 1975. It's a fast, easy, and inexpensive way to keep your vehicle looking new. 2015 marks Covercraft's 50th anniversary. They've manufactured premium quality exterior and interior covers here in the United States with a reputation for durability and design. They're the world's largest manufacturer of custom patterned vehicle covers that are crafted to fit with over 80,000 patterns and growing. You can choose from dozens of fabric options and accessories, all designed and carefully sewn for your special vehicle. Made in the USA, Covercraft is the right choice. I've protected my special rides with their covers for over 40 years, and you should too. Learn more today at Covercraft.com. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. Today, I am so excited to introduce a very special guest, Lynn St. James. Lynn, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I'm ready to go. All right. Great to have you here. Lynn St. James has raced cars for over 40 years. She was the 1992 Indy 500 Rookie of the Year, has victories at the 24 Hours of Daytona, 12 Hours of Sebring, Watkins Glen, Elkhart Lake, and set closed-course speed records of over 225 miles an hour. She's an author, a motivational speaker, and was named by Sports Illustrated for Women, one of the top 100 women athletes of the century. She founded the Women's in the Winner's Circle Foundation, and her legacy is one of inspiration, encouragement, perseverance, and commitment to excellence. Lynn is most certainly a lady who has changed the world, not only for women, but for anyone who strives to succeed. So, Lynn, I've told our listeners a little about you. Would you take a moment and share some more about your career and your passion for racing and motivating others? Well, thank you, Mark. Basically, I guess I've been blessed is how I feel because about 41 years ago, I I kind of found out that real people drove race cars. <laughs> um, I was a great race fan, you know, spectator. I used to go to the races a lot um, as a teenager, as a kid growing up and went to the Indy 500 and you know, went to some drag races. And, and I mean, I don't know, I just sort of thought it was the coolest thing, but again, never connected that I could do this. And then when I went to a sports car race down in Florida and found out about the Sports Car Club of America and saw people that actually did this as a hobby, that, as I said, real people drove race cars. They weren't just superhuman like Mario Andretti and AJ Floyd and Roger Penske and Mark Donahue and the people <laughs> that I was watching. Sure. And yeah, so um, I then started, you know, became a member of SCCA and then found out that you had to go to driver's school to get a competition license and and tried it, and, and it, it changed my life. And so I just feel totally blessed that I found a sport and an activity and a, a thing, I guess you'd say, for me to do that really touched my soul. And is, you know, I, as a kid growing up, and I talked to young people, and, and I, 
fact, I just had a conversation with a new gal I met, you know, the other night, and, and she's 30 years old and frustrated, and I said, I remember that song, Is That All There Is? And I used to feel that way for many, much, much of my, my 20s after getting out of school. It was like, what am I really meant to do? And, and what was, there was like a hole still left in me, even though I was happy. Yeah. Um, and racing turned out to fill that hole, and and it has ever since. I mean, it's been, it's really just touched the core of me and, and I've always loved cars, but you know, I'm not a mechanic and I'm not one that necessarily, what really turns me on is not just driving fast, but competing and, and getting the most, really connecting with the car as the driver is part of the car. And I feel like I wear the car, you know, when I, when I get in it and that's my life. I mean, and then I realized as I pursued this career, it went from just being an avocation to then becoming my vocation is that a lot of people, first of all, are just, no matter what age they are, are still looking for that, is that all there is, mm-hmm. even though they may be very successful in their life. Um, and I think my story somehow taps a chord within them. And so I've been really blessed to now be able to share my love of the sport and, and my sort of the path that it took me on that I think has found that it's helped others. And whether it's young people that really want to pursue the sport as a professional or whether it's people even outside that just are kind of still trying to fulfill their lives. And so racing did it for me. And I said, doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are, if you don't feel fulfilled in your life, just keep looking because there's something out there that will really bring the best out of you and, and will probably give you more, not just pleasure, but more power um, to do everything that you do. It'll bring more powerful energy to everything you do. Absolutely. And that's why I was so thrilled to have you on Cars Yeah, because that's what Cars Yeah is all about, inspiring other people by talking with automotive enthusiasts. And, and you just, you tick every box that works here at Cars Yeah. So I'm so thrilled to have you here. As we continue on your journey, I always like to start by asking my guests for a success quote, some type of saying or mantra that's been instrumental in forming your life and your success. It's a great way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars, yeah? So, Lynn, take the wheel. <laughs> <laughs> well, one of my heroes um, was Billie Jean King. I mean, I, I played a lot of tennis. I used to live in South Florida, so I followed tennis very closely since that was a sport that you could play year-round down there. Sure. And so I just thought Billie Jean was just amazing, and I mean, as well as Christine and some of the other ones. But anyway, I got to... You know, one of the real highlights of my life was to actually meet Billie Jean King back in the 80s. Oh, cool. When I became involved with the Women's Sports Foundation, which she founded, and, and I was a volunteer first and then ultimately ended up becoming president. But Billie's quote, which she's now has actually in the form of a little book, is called, Pressure is a Privilege. Mm. And that has every time you feel pressure, you know, whether it's in a competitive situation and qualifying, whether it's getting over the frustration of the car not being even ready or not being able to race because the car crashed or the car broke, or, I mean, I could go on and on and on where I have felt pressure. Yeah. And and it, pressure is the kind of thing that it's all how you react to it. And so if you look at it as a negative thing or you, it brings a negative response to you internally, then that it's, it's a negative thing as opposed to switching that. If I ever go in that direction, it's just switching that, like literally turn a switch. And it's like, no, it's a privilege to be in this situation. And so do with it, deal with it and figure out what you're going to do about it and, and, um, and embrace it. And so I just, I loved her three words. Pressure is a four words. I guess it's four words. Pressure is a privilege. You know, it's a wonderful quote. It's a new quote. I haven't heard from any of my guests here on, on, Cars, yeah. And I, I just wrote a, I do a weekly blog and I just wrote one last week on a book that I read that 
kind of talks about this called Mindset by Carol Dweck. And she talks about the two different kind of people in the world, fixed mindset and growth mindset. And what you just said fits that growth mindset uh, perfectly. And that is taking negativity and turning it into a positive, turning it into that push that we have in our life to, to move forward and do something about what has happened in your world. So wonderful quote. I love that so much. It's absolutely great. Would you share with me a story that instigated your passion for racing? You talked about uh, back in your early years when you thought, wow, these are superheroes, but real people can do this. But was there a pivotal moment in your life when you really knew, you know what, I'm going to be a race car driver? Well, I, I couldn't put it at a pivotal moment. Um, it, it was evolutionary, so to speak. Um, I mean, I guess maybe I'm a slow learner or a sick headed or whatever, but <laughs> I mean, I think really it did start for me in the 60s in the muscle car era when I went to the drag races and I did see real people driving. I didn't really think that is racing per se, but yet it was. I mean, not the way I see racing today, if you know what I mean. And sure. I actually got behind the wheel of a friend's car and, and I went down the drag strip and I ended up winning with his car in that class, whatever the heck class it was, and you know, how they put shoe polish on the side of the, <laughs> on the window of what class you're in. But, you know, it was his GTO, his Pontiac GTO. And, cool. and the moment of being on the line, I mean, I, he was trying to tell me what I needed to do, but you know, it up to 3000 RPM and, you, you know, you hold the clutch in and drop it into gear, and then when you drop that clutch, you get, you know, you gas it, but you got to be careful you don't put too much gas into it, you know, really spin the tires, and yada, yada, yada. So, <laughs> but looking at that Christmas tree, and the, 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 it was an adrenaline rush, I mean, feeling that, and then winning, um, and getting to get back in line, and, you know, because it's an elimination deal, and go back in line, and I ended up winning in that class. I think I went, like, five runs. Wow. And I got this big trophy in drag racing. They give you these trophies, you know, that are humongous. And oh, probably yeah. the biggest trophy I ever got in my life. And I came <laughs> home, and I said, Mom, look at what I got today. Yeah. And, of course, she went, she went ballistic and said, that's not why I'm giving you piano lessons. Ah, uh, yeah. Getting you to girls' school, you know, getting you a good <laughs> education. So I came to a screeching halt, but I still think that, when I look back, I think that had a last, more of a lasting effect on me than I realized at the time. And mm. so, um, you know, again, I don't know if I'd call it a pivotal moment, but, you know, it wasn't until almost 10 years later, or probably 10 years later, before I actually pursued the sport. So you know, After a few more piano that, lessons. <laughs> well, I did everything what society expected. I mean, I finished school, and, and I did. I was a piano teacher, and I failed at that. I got... I got fired after six weeks. Oh, gosh. <laughs> um, I say it's always good to find out what you're not good at. And I was a secretary, and I got married, and I helped my husband build a business. And, I mean, I was doing everything that I think was within the rules of what society expected people to do, you know. Right. And, but as I stated earlier, but I still didn't feel fulfilled. And it wasn't until I, I actually pursued racing through the FCCA, which is road racing, and and it just, it's just consumed my life ever since. Ah, it's wonderful. And we're all so glad that it did. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> so, Lynn, share with me a huge challenge or even a great failure that you faced along the way. You know, racing is fraught with ups and downs. Oh, my goodness. You could almost not pick another career path that didn't have highs and lows. But I'd love to hear about one of those moments maybe where you're ready to maybe hang it up and the most important part of this has to do with how did you overcome that challenge? What did it teach you, and how were you able to move forward from it? Well, I mean, I think 
there's probably two that I that come to mind. And one was really early. I mean, quite frankly, it was my first race <laughs> after oh. completing driver school in SUCA. And my first race car was my street car. It was a Ford Pinto. A Ford Pinto. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And so I, you know, I was so proud of, you know, I completed my driver's school. And now, you know, they put an X on the side of the car and next to the number on the car to let everybody know you're a rookie. And basically, I'm in my first race, you know, literally the same weekend that I completed driver's school. Like driver's school is over on Saturday and, you know, race on Sunday. Race on Sunday, yeah. Yeah. And so I lost control of the car after, you know, not doing well, really kind of watch my marks and look for my apex and, you know, breaking points and, you know, focusing on all the things that I had just been taught and learned, except I sort of failed to pay attention to the mirrors. <laughs> and um, and I lost control of the car when, when the overall leader, because, you know, they have groups of classes out there all at the same time. And I was being passed by the overall leader that caught me off guard and I lost control. And I ended up in a lake and in the inside of the track, which I thought was just a pond, and, and the car totally sunk. And in a I lake? That. Oh, my yeah. gosh. It was a body of water that I thought was a pond, but it was deeper. It wasn't really a lake. But, oh, my goodness. But it, And the car totally submerged, and so obviously it was a mess. And um, so we had to flat figure out how to flat tow the car home and clean it out because it was also my streetcar. And so Uh-oh. after this moment of sort of discovery that, Real people drive race cars. There's a way, there's a path to do this as an amateur. There's a vehicle out there that I could afford, meaning I could order that car and drive it as my street car and still have it as a race car because I couldn't afford to have one of each. Mm-hmm. And all of these things that you sort of click off the box, you know, okay, I'm doing this. Yeah, I'm doing that. Okay, I'm doing that. And then you now are in a race and you are a total disaster. And so at that point, I thought maybe I'm not meant to do this as much as I was excited about it. And I was married at the time, and my husband, I mean, for Lynn, you know, race car drivers aren't, aren't born. This is a learned skill, and you just have to decide how, how badly you want to learn, and how willing you are to learn what you need to know. So so I, I have to admit, at that point, I seriously thought maybe this isn't really what I was meant to do, and was thinking about, I better just play in tennis. And <laughs> <laughs> so I think failure, we learn more from failure than anything. And racing will give you so many great life life lessons of failure. Oh, yes. You know, much more lows than highs. So that one was a, a pivotal one that um, I obviously came back and and uh, so glad I did. Um, and then in 1991, after racing professionally for Ford Motor Company since 1981, so here I am 10 years with a, you know, racing as a factory driver for Ford Motor Company, all on one-year contracts, but really being successful. And and yet trying for three years at that point to get the funding to race Indian, to race Indy cars. I wanted to drive an Indy car, and Dick Simon gave me the opportunity to drive one on a racetrack in 1988. And I loved it, and I did very well in it, and Dick said, we can do this. And I said, well, great. I love the word we rather than you. <laughs> yes. But then, you know, there was this thing called, well, we've got to get the sponsorship money to do it. And, and even though Dick would, was willing to try, he still had his, current drivers under contracts and you know he had his campaign that he had already had to bring another rookie in and try to raise the money from the ground up i knew that i had to do the majority of that work and after going to about 150 companies over a three-year period and constantly getting no's um, and getting nowhere and of course every year you continue to get older right i really i thought you know maybe this is something that is not going to happen in my life and and just when there's a time when you just have to accept not failure but accept 
that you're not going to be able to get everything you want in the world. <laughs> and um, and so I, I went to a program, actually, it was called Landmark Education, because some female athletes had given me some advice, um, some other world-class female athletes had given me some advice that this was a great sort of seminar to go to. And I went with the full intent of the desire was to give up my dream, to just say, Lynn, you can move on. You just, you, your life is okay, <laughs> whether you end up ever racing IndyCars or not. And as, as a result of that seminar, the reverse happened, and all it did was make me dig my heels in more, and, and um, I made a commitment, and, and I made a declaration that I was going to race in the Indy 500, and that was in November of 1991, and in March of 1992, J.C. Penney said yes to the sponsorship proposal that I had been pitching and working with them on, and you know, I went on to race in Indy in 1992 and win Rookie of the Year and go on to race Indy cars for, for nine years. So, yeah. You know, at moments when you are sometimes at the very lowest low or when you are accepting, you're trying to accept failure, whatever you want to call it, I think those are the moments that declare and define very much who you are and what you're really made of and and, and you're tested. And those are the times that you answer your own questions, I guess, as to what you're really, how committed are you to making things happen? Yes. Wow. Well, definitely a testament to perseverance. And 150 rejections. Yeah, many people go, well, you're right, this isn't going to happen. I'm so happy you went to that seminar and dug your heels in, and look what happened. So uh, those listeners out there, there's some inspiration for you. Just keep going at it. Don't give up. (laughs) Wonderful story. Let's shift gears here and go to the other end of the spectrum. I'd love for you to share one of those aha moments you had in your racing career, and then tell us the steps you took to turn that aha moment into a success. I think back on that, I would say that in 1978, I finally, in SCCA, um, earned the right, based on my performance that season, to be invited to turn the runoff, which I think are probably going on about right now. Mm-hmm. It's the you know the end of the season where they bring the top four competitors in each class from all over the country, and they race against each other. Um, and it's one of the best racing I've ever seen, even to this day. And so the runoffs at that particular time were held in Atlanta. I think this year they're actually held in Daytona Beach, which is cool. Mm-hmm. And so I qualified. It, and I was now at the Cosworth Vega in showroom stock A, and which was also my streetcar. And <laughs> I went there, qualified, I think, 13th out of you know 30 or 40 cars, but blew an engine in qualifying. And so and did not have a spare engine, did not have an engine builder. I mean, this was again, stole my streetcar, and, and I mean, I was working really hard and thought I was well-prepared, but ended up having to, you know, you work all year to, to, to get someplace, and you get there. And the engine and, blows up, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, gosh. and now, but now I have four, you're there for a whole week, but my qualifying was like on Thursday, but my race was scheduled for like Sunday, and I wasn't leaving, so I was there, so I had four days to walk around, and really, sometimes you learn more through this as well when you're, you're not when you're more, I don't want to say this, when you're looking at what you're supposed to have done rather than being in the middle of doing it. Right. And so by walking around and seeing how well-prepared so many of the competitors were and how ill-prepared I was, so it was really, it was a huge lesson for me that I was not, I had the will to win, but I did not have the will to be prepared to win. And so the word preparation became a much bigger role and, and part of my being as opposed to desire. I mean, desire is critical, you know, key, and I'm not taking lessening the, the importance of that. But preparation, I, I was not prepared. I didn't have a clue. Yeah. So 
I think um, that was an aha moment for me. And I, I brought preparation into the focus and into a, a priority from that point going forward. Fantastic. I mean, another great another great lady I've had as a guest here on Cars, yeah, as the president of SCCA, Lisa Noble. Yeah. Yeah, I think when you were mentioning uh, SCCA, so we'll give her a shout out here. But great story. I love it. Preparation, yes. Absolutely key, especially in racing. Now, let me ask you about your first special race car. You've driven a lot of different race cars, but is there one in particular that stands out for you as really special? You know, not really. I mean, every race car I get in, I have a relationship with, and and I sell them rather than others, just like people. <laughs> um, but, you know, there, it's, I don't know. It's just hard. I don't really have one that's so... Uh, you know that's so special, so I really don't. Yeah, kind of like, kind of like that's okay. Kind of like your children. I'm hoping they're, they're I all hope it's the next. The next well, one. I hope it's the next one. <laughs> there you go. I love that. I remember that's a great quote from Doctor Ferdinand Porsche. His favorite Porsche is the next one. <laughs> so yeah, it's one think, way. Yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll count on it. I, you know, it's going to show up. There you go. I love it. Let's have a little bit of fun here. Um, you've raced. Gosh, almost everywhere, including six consecutive starts at the Indy 500. What was your most memorable race? And this may be asking the same question in a different way that I just asked you, but uh, is there one in particular that really stands out for you as just God, that adrenaline was pumping that experience? And and if so, can you take us a little bit on a ride? Well, I think there's probably more than one for sure, but but I think one that comes to my mind is is racing in the 24 Hours of Le Mans in 1989. Mm. I mean, that, you know, I kind of, because the 24 hours of Daytona and the 12 hours of Sebring were the first road races I ever saw. So, I mean, I didn't know about road racing prior to being a spectator to those events. I knew about drag racing and I knew about the Indy 500. Mm -hmm. And when I saw the the 24 hours of Daytona was the first one I ever saw. And I mean, I was just blown away, you know, how these cars go around for 24 hours and the sights and the sounds and the, the, see the brakes all, you know, just glow as they almost look like they're on fire during the night and and the, and the, the grueling uh, faces of the of the mechanics working on the cars and the, uh, the the devastation when the cars break and they put them back in the in the garages and fix them and take them back out again and I don't know the whole emotion it's like living an entire lifetime in a 24-hour period wow and so endurance racing always has been something that's just hit all my hot buttons and and then to, to finally race in, you know, the 24 hours of Daytona and to have victories in the 24 hours of Daytona, I mean, all of those are incredibly dramatic in my in my memory and in my life. But then there's this other big granddaddy of them all called the 24 hour Mall. So I, I just, yeah. you know, I loved that race and I thought maybe I'd never been, you know, it's not like you can just get in a car and drive to Daytona. You just don't get in a car and go. <laughs> Right, and a bit of a commitment. And, uh, yeah, yeah, it's an it's expensive one just for your own travel. So I had been, you know, talking to some people and letting people know that's something I wanted to do, and, and it was one of those, you know, you have dreams, and you have dreams that it's hard to turn. I, I say when you turn a dream into a goal, is that's when it can become a reality. Well, it was hard to make that a goal, but yet I did. I, I, I did transition from a dream about doing it to a goal. Nice. And I finally had the opportunity to do it in 1989, and it was with Gordon Spice and Ray Bellum in a Spice chassis. So it was absolutely a primo opportunity. And to be able to learn that track, which is incredibly difficult to learn, it's incredibly fast, 
so it was like living in a movie. And I mean, it was like living in Steve McQueen's movie, Le Mans, you know? So, <laughs> so cool. And to drive, and I'll still never forget this as long as I live, because I was the kind of the younger and the rookie, I guess, I don't know, Ray Bellum and, and Gordon Spice were a little more seasoned and real veterans. And they more or less kept saying, oh, Lynn, you can drive as much as you want. I'm not sure. <laughs> it was not a big deal to them like it was a big deal to me. And so I remember driving in the night. I got a lot of time in the car. And I remember driving in the night and in the morning as the sun was coming up. And it's the first time in my entire life that I actually wanted to stop the race car on the racetrack during a race because the sun was full in the inside the Dunlop Bridge. I mean, it was just as I came upon the Dunlop Bridge. Wow. There was the sun. Yeah. Totally, complete glowing. I mean, I like, I wanted to take a picture of that. You know? <laughs> yeah, excuse um, me while I take a, take a little photo here. <laughs> But going down the Mulsanne Strait, this was in 89, it was still, the chicanes were not there, so it was straight in the Mulsanne Strait. I mean, the, the speeds, and I would hear Hurley Haywood and some other veterans talk about the fear of getting a you know blowout, having a tire go at those speeds. And I'm thinking, why would you think about that? Yeah, why even <laughs> because, consider it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, there's all kinds of things to consider that could be, you know, very devastating in a race car. But anyway, I didn't think about that. I just thought about it. I mean, that was adrenaline and pure joy, I think, of being able to, to race at that historic track and Man. that historic race. And wow. and at those speeds, and, and I and I did it, and I did it well. So, so that, yeah. that's really Awesome. And awesome. I didn't, you know, at that point, I didn't know about Indy ever happening in my life either. So that was like, and this is probably as good as it's ever going to get. Yeah. Well, thanks for taking us on that ride. What a what a wonderful experience. Fantastic. You know, you're involved in so many things. I mean, you've not slowed down. Is there a project you're working on right now that really has you excited and fired up? Well, yes. And it's kind of, you know, it's, it's taken a shift. I mean, I've been very fortunate that because of vintage racing, I get to still drive race cars. And yeah. So my personal my personal sort of joy in life has become a kind of reborn in the last three or four years by being invited to drive in some vintage races. Um, cool. And through that, I've kind of, I don't know, the whole vintage world, I mean, you know, of course, it, until you become vintage yourself, <laughs> which is what I've become, <laughs> and, you know, I said old, old race car drivers get to drive old race cars. You're not vintage, you're a classic. <laughs> well, thanks, but... But because of that, it's opened the world up to me just about older race cars. I mean, when we were driving race cars, it was like all we wanted was the next race car, you know, the next newest, you know. Right. And now, of course, we're really admiring and appreciating these older race cars. And not only race cars, but also, you know, actual classic and vintage and collecting cars. And so, and that that particular hobby, if you want to call it, or avocation, or just business has is, is gotten bigger. It's growing. I oh, mean, gosh, the whole yes. car collector market. So it's opened my mind to a whole new thing, and, and one of those things then has, has introduced me to the Hagerty Education Program, which I became aware of about three years ago. Yeah, um, yeah. And I had no idea, you know, that I, and, and of course, the, the skills that it takes to be, to work on a race car, it takes incredible skill, hands-on skill, mechanical skill, fabrication skills, you know, technical skills, but it, you know, it, it's 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 a highly refined art. I mean, it isn't just you know how to, you know how, how to plug something in or how to put a computer in. So, so I realized that that a lot of those skills are actually, are, you know, people are getting older that know how to do that, and we, we really <laughs> have to get young people into this into this business and into these potential careers. Yes. And so that's really what the Hagerty Education Program is all about. I mean, it's it's pathways to careers and it's 
providing you know, the grant giving program um, that supports pathway to careers through the automotive restoration and preservation education in communities across the country. So I've become an ambassador for that program and I've really dug down into trying to learn more about, you know, a lot of race shops that I've been involved with. I, I do, they existed and I worried about the prep on my car, but I didn't quite know the, get into the depth of understanding of how they're structured and what skills and, you know, what different skills are required. And so sure. um, I'm now visiting race shops and, and restoration shops around the country and, and then trying to help figure out where are the educational programs that we can connect them with. Um, Hagerty gives scholarships not to the individuals but to the educational programs mm. so that these young people can get uh, skills and train skills, whether it's through trade schools or places like McPherson College in Kansas, in Kansas where you can actually get a degree, an undergraduate degree in restoration, one right. of the few places in the country. So, so that's been my... Um, my real passion now that I'm, you know, I'm really focusing on the, the I guess, the mechanical aspect of um, automotive preservation and restoration and preparation. Well, it's absolutely spectacular. It's a great program. I've had my friend McKeel Haggerty here on the show at Cars, yeah. And- oh, well, great. And McKeel, this is a passion of McKeel's, and it's his passion that I kind of caught. You know what I mean? Yep. It's like, he just shared it. He just gave it to me, and I'm like, I got it. And I mean, I'm running with it now. Yeah, he's he's great at passing that along the, and how that has become a an integral part of their company and how they're helping others. And of course, uh, if you ever get your make your way up here to the Pacific Northwest, I'd love to introduce you to a, a couple great friends of mine and guests who've been uh, on Cars Yeah here. Butch Dennison from Dennison International and Louis Shefshek from JNL Fabricating. Both of those guys have shops up here in the Northwest where they build and restore and work on vintage race cars. They do uh, uh, drive, dr- fly-in drive for people at tracks all around the country. Uh, yeah, so fantastic. And you sent me a picture of uh, you, and it looks like a uh, a Lotus, perhaps, driving on a track? Is yeah, that that's a Lotus. Yeah, that's a Monterey when I got to drive a, a Lotus uh, 23B. In, awesome. Um, at the historic, yeah. Well, and Louie, I know Louie well. I mean, Louie uh, goes to almost all the vintage races that I go to. And, there you and go. Because yeah. of, you know, this, and this, is, this program is actually a function, is actually supervised in, in, out of the America's Car Museum in Tacoma. So oh, okay. I actually will be coming up to the Pacific Northwest quite a bit. And I, in fact, I just spent quite a bit of time bending Louie's ear and then trying to get as much uh, information out of him about the, this exact <laughs> subject that we're talking about. So awesome. that's the, those are the folks I, I'm spending more time with now than I had in the past. Great. Yeah. Well, Louie and Butch both are just uh, wonderful, wonderful people and super skilled at what they do. Uh, when I used to vintage race, Louie took care of the Lotus 18 I drove and the Lola T290 I drove. So uh, great, great people. I love it. Now, here's a very introspective question for you, Lynn. I always love this question, and especially for someone like you. If you were a car, a race car, what kind of race car would Lynn St. James be and why? That's a tough one. Um, (laughs) I know. It doesn't exist. Um, Ooh, I like where you're going with this. Well, you know, I've I've thought about trying to could I ever design my own race car and then be, you know, sit in it and be in it, so to speak, have this be in it, or really, I mean, I, I've created my, you know, when I, as I said, I feel like I wear the car when I get in it, you know, right. and I kind of create a relationship with it, and I wonder if I could ever design it, you know, where it just sort of fits me. It could be very evil, I guess, <laughs> but yeah, so I don't, I, 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 you know, I would love to design that race car. It would be fast. It would be nimble. Um, would it be open wheel? Yeah, it would be open wheel because cool. I, you know, I went all those years, I drove sedans, and there always was this 
I used to hate it because there would be all this bantering going on during a race weekend about how if you, if the car, if the car has fenders, it's not a real race car, you know, the open mm. wheel versus the closed wheel. Sure. And I'm like, come on guys, you know, and that's because I was always in the closed wheel. Yeah. Well, I have to admit after now being in an open wheel um, for like over a decade, um, the last couple of decades that they are, they just are so damn much better. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. It was just, it was the open wheel. Open wheel. Cool. Uh, custom built Lynn St. James open wheel racer. That's what you'd be. I like that. Very cool. Well, Lynn, up next is the last lap, but before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah sponsor. Have you turned your key and heard that dreaded tick, 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 tick because of a dead battery? No worries. I've got the NOCO Genius Boost Jump Starter. This compact tool fits in your glove box and features rechargeable lithium battery technology that will start a dead battery in your car, boat, truck, or RV. It packs a whopping 12-volt, 400-amp starting power, and can start up to 20 dead batteries on a single charge. Plus, it has built-in spark-proof technology with reverse polarity protection to safely jumpstart your vehicle. The compact, ergonomically designed clamps are solid copper for maximum conductivity, and there's a built-in ultra-bright dual LED flashlight with seven modes, including an SOS emergency strobe. It's easily rechargeable with a USB outlet, and you can charge your smartphone or tablet while you're on the road. Works on any 12-volt lead-acid battery. The Genius Boost from NOCO is the ultimate emergency tool that's safe and easy to use. Quality design, state-of-the-art technology from NOCO, your battery care source since 1914. Get yours at GeniusChargers.com. All right, Lynn, we're back and we're entering the last lap. You know what that means. The white flag is out. Time to put our foot down. And this is where I'm going to fire off a series of questions. And you give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So you ready? Yeah. Okay, I'll give it a whirl. All right. What's the best racing advice you ever received, and who was it from? I've had so many, and, and people haven't realized that I have been constantly learning from them when I ask them their questions. But I think it, you know, it was from Jim Busby, and who was incredibly helpful to me back when I was so frustrated early in my professional racing career, trying to figure out what does it take to be, how can you look at a race car and know if it's a good race car or not? Mm. And he gave me a quick, the center of gravity, where the driver sits, the wheelbase. He gave me a really quick visual, which is what I wanted. And so it's how to look at a race car and get a grasp of whether you think it's going to be a good race car or not. Really and, cool. And, and it came from Jim Busby. Jim Busby, great Who guy, yeah. Awesome, awesome. Would you share one of your personal habits you believe has contributed to your success over the years? Well, it goes back to the earlier in my story, but it's prepare for everything. Everything that you're going to do, you better prepare in advance in every way, shape, or form. Bring your, bring your best to the party, and how you do that is by being prepared. Yeah, absolutely, and I love that comment about being lucky is where preparation meets opportunity. And preparation is so important. Now, I know there are a lot of resources out there for people, but is there one in particular that you'd like to share with the Cars Yow listeners that you really enjoy? Well, it's a resource individual, I guess, as opposed to, you know, not like a website because it's his website. But anyway, it's um, Performance Prime. So it's, I guess, www.performanceprime.com. Ah. But Dr. Jacques Delaire, it's all about the mental part of the game. Mm-hmm. And and I just think that, particularly as, as human beings, we are not the car. We don't prepare the car unless some of us do. But it's it's what we have control over is our is our mind. And so the mental preparation, the mental thought process, everything about the mental part of the game. And Dr. Jacques 
is really been a huge resource for me over my my really entire career and um and so and he's still out there doing his good stuff so it's awesome. a great website yeah great resource now i have a copy of one of your books ride of your life an incredible journey and i know you've written two others oh by the way and car owner's manual but is there another book that you think the car shot listeners would really enjoy reading it was funny, when I first thought about this, I was like, well, is this going to be a racing book? And I still think The Art of Racing in the Rain is a great book, by the way. Gar Stein's uh, book, yeah. Is, yeah. But my Bible is a little tiny book uh, that's called The Magic of Believing ah. by Todd Bristol. Wow, so, great new book. Now, tell tell me just a little bit about that book. You're the first one to recommend book. it. It's, yeah. it's an old book. Um, I think it came out in the 70s. It's still available because I actually share it when I do my driver development program. Nice. Um, it was originally copyrighted in 1948. And, um, oh, my goodness. But wow. it's still available. And, I mean, it's basically, you know, there's a lot of books out there about having a positive attitude and, the, you know, and, and, and believing in yourself and all of that. But this one really, it really made the difference for me mm. of how you can be who you, who you want to be, who you are inside. Wow. And so, um, how you, you know, it's so it, it's it's old school, but yeah. it's great, great. It worked for, it worked for me. <laughs> Obviously, it worked very well for you. Well, listeners, you can find links to all these great resources Lynn has been so nice to share with us at carsyad.com slash Lynn St. James. All right, Lynn, we're up to the checkered flag. And this last question can be a real doozy. If you could only have one collector car, and I'll include collector race car if you'd like, since You've gotten involved in vintage racing, could be an old vintage race car in your garage, but you can't sell it to buy a bunch of other cars with, so that little trick's off the table. But money's no object. Today, I'm going to write the check. What would that one vehicle be and why? Well, I sort of have it. Um, oh. It's a V, V, not A, but V, uh-huh. 1991 Lola that I completed rookie orientation with in 1992 at Indianapolis. Nice. And... I kept track of the car. Um, it was destroyed at Elkhart Lake about, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago. And I got the pieces. <laughs> and it's partially restored due to dear friends and Shane Davey, who did some of the, uh, the, the fabrication work to put it back in one piece, the tub. Mm-hmm. And um, another great gentleman, um, uh, Don Nichols out of uh, Michigan, who then completed the restoration. And it's hanging in my living room wall as a piece of art. No kidding. So... Yeah, and so it's a. It's, in fact, I think if you go to my Facebook page, there's pictures of it on there. But um, all right. So I so I have it. It'll never. It'll always be a part of me. Yeah. Um, wow, that is one unique answer. That's the first time I've I've had somebody answer that question with it's hanging on my wall as a piece of art. So fantastic. I love it. Well, Lynn, you have taken me on a great ride. I knew you would, and and I've really enjoyed talking with you. And I want to thank you for sharing your journey inspiring the listeners today. Could you give us one parting piece of guidance before you drive off down the racetrack? Find your passions and go for it. <laughs> pretty simple, pretty direct, but it is what life is all about. And what's the best way for our listeners to learn more about you and what you're doing these days? Well, um, I mean, essentially, I hope my website, which is totally redesigned recently by one of my graduates in my driver development program. It looks, it looks awesome, by the way. I love it. 
Thank really. you. Great Thank job. You. Well, yeah. when, and I just, I'm so proud of the fact that it was designed by, you know, Eraser, um, yeah. who, uh, who I've been great friends with after, you know, meeting through our driver development program. But if you go to linsightchange.com, we try to keep that as up to date about what I'm doing and what I care about and even what I have done in the past. So that's the best way. Great way. And listeners, you can find links again to everything we've talked about today here at Cars. Yeah, just put Lindsay James in the search box. Her show notes page will pop up. Check out her website. Look at what Lynn is up to. It's really great. It's exciting. Uh, the new design, kudos to that student of yours for uh, putting it together. It's really, really nice. Lynn, thank you for being so generous today with your time and your expertise. It's been an honor and a thrill to talk with you. I've wanted to talk with you for so long and for sharing your experiences with our listeners. Until we talk again, I'll see you down the road. Well, thanks so much. It's been great fun. Um, you've had some great questions that I, I hope uh, sort of hit the, hit the mark with some folks um, out of your listening audience. You've hit every apex today, Lynn. Thank you so much. <laughs> See you next time. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!